Welcome back to the Girl Scout Troop Leader Experience podcast. I'm so excited to bring you a brand new interview today. And you know what? I'm not even going to try to introduce my guest today. I'm going to let her introduce herself because she has so much to share. So tell me about you. Who are you? (laughs) Where are you from slash what council? And um, tell me all the ways you're involved with Girl Scouts. Hi, I'm Cheryl Robinson, and I live in Wisconsin, in Western Wisconsin. I am part of uh, Girl Scouts of Wisconsin, Badgerland Council. So we serve girls in the southwest portion of Wisconsin. And I have been a troop leader and volunteer for council for multiple, multiple years, serving multiple, multiple roles, which includes, um, as I said, troop leader. I am also on our adult recognition committee. I am a council delegate, and I am also honored to be a national delegate. I was also on the council transition team back when we when the reorganization took place across the nation. And my favorite part of Girl Scouts is I am also a highest awards committee member. Okay, so first and foremost, can you tell me a little bit about what being a delegate means, both council and national, um, because I think that there are a lot of people who don't know even what that is or how to get involved at that opportunity. Absolutely. So as a council delegate, we meet, it's about once a quarter and council presents to us different um, strategies that they're considering, um, other information where they want feedback from their volunteers that are out in the field. And so things that we have discussed is pre-COVID, Um, we were, we had declining camp numbers and we had an outside company come in and do a analysis of camp. And so there, we had lots of discussion about how to get girls more involved in camp based on that feedback. We have also, um, worked to identify opportunities for fundraising so that we could support troops that perhaps don't have the financial resources to be a troop. We use AmeriCorps members to lead some of those troops. And we just have to have the financial resources to serve those girls that otherwise wouldn't have access to Girl Scouts. So lots of, um, not quite board level, but in between like feedback from the volunteers is what we do as a council delegate in Badgerland Council. As a national delegate, prior to the reorganization, I was a delegate for my prior council. And and that would have been in when we went to Indianapolis in 2008. And then I'm also currently a national delegate. So this last year, when we were supposed to go to Orlando, I was supposed to be one of the national delegates for Orlando. And as a national delegate, what that is, is once every three years, everybody knows that we have our big Girl Scout convention. And the Girl Scout convention is this huge party And they usually have an expo room and there's lots of activities for girls to do and lots of resources for the volunteers to collect. And they often have educational components. Um, I have had the honor of hearing from um, Robin Roberts and um, a whole bunch of other people that like, it's the only way that you may ever hear from these people. And so it's just this huge party and I encourage everybody to try and get the opportunity to attend a national convention if you get the chance. But a secondary component of that national convention is the business meeting. So convention is the party and the council sessions are the business meeting. And so as a national council delegate, 
you go in and we review the bylaws of Girl Scouts of the USA, changes that need to be made, things like that, where then we as council members, or not as council members, as national delegates, we vote on whether to pass those or not. And it is, there are girl delegates, and if your council has girl delegates, I highly encourage you to have your daughter or your girls in your troop apply to be a council delegate if they're eligible. It, because it is one of the best learning experiences they will have. It is like a giant debate. So they have microphones and so they have pro microphones and they have con microphones and people go up and they debate the language. They debate why we should have this. We discuss things back and forth and the language will change throughout the time. And then at the end, we end up making a vote on whether to pass it or not. And it is super, super interesting and just such an unusual experience that I have been honored to be able to do that twice. This last fall, as I said, we were supposed to go to Orlando. Well, convention was canceled, so the party was canceled. However, because we only have this business meeting once every three years, we couldn't cancel the council session. And so we ended up doing the council session virtually. Whole different experience than being at a council session in person, let me tell you. So during the, because of the virtual conference session, the microphones, it was a little bit strange because when you're in a big room with everybody else, you can see who's in line for the microphone. And the people that are in lines for the microphone can also talk back and forth so that they're not repeating what someone else says, or maybe they're discussing it and one of them tweaks their words a little bit because of what they talk about while they're standing in line and things like that. And you can't do that when you're in a, an electronic line. And so that added this whole other component besides, of course, you can imagine when you have that, that many people and I'm trying to remember with all the support team and stuff, it was probably about a thousand people on the line at the same time. When you have that many people, it is extremely hard to make sure the technology is working for everybody. So that was another interesting component. The thing that I really liked while we were virtual is that we also identified a different app besides the chat bar that was in the virtual app. We identified a different app where we were having conversations while people were debating. So I felt like I was talking to a couple of hundred people at the same time instead of the maybe five or six people that might have been around me if we had been at a regular big convention meeting. And so this year, some of the things that we talked about were we talked about so fees. Um, dues have been on agendas for the last, I think, three conventions. Um, and so we reviewed some stuff about dues. And honestly, I can't remember what the other things were. Um, there was five or six topics, five or six things to vote on, but it was really two or three topics because like the dues section, what happens is um, they build on each other. So they put them in a certain order. And for example, if the first part of the dues um, vote had not passed, then the other two would have automatically gone away because they would have been non-applicable anymore. Um, but since the first one passed, then we had to debate the second one. And then we had to debate the third one um, because they built on each other. And remember, we're changing our bylaws. So that's all of our legal documents for, for GSUSA 
and we have to make sure that we're getting it right. And so you have all of the lawyers there and you have the um, Robert's Rules of Order people there um, because that's what you follow when you're voting like that. And so you have all of these people directing traffic, um, which adds, like I said, a whole nother component. Um, and doing that virtually is also different than in person because in person, all of those people are sitting on the stage so that you can at least see them talking and everything else. When we were virtual, if we had to pause for a lawyer to review something or Robert's rules to review something to make sure we were in order, um, you can't see them talking. And so you're just sitting there looking at a screen waiting for someone to come back and talk to you. And that can take 10 or 15 minutes because you know sometimes they have to go research things and do other things like that. So I highly, highly encourage, especially girls, if you're eligible to apply for national delegate, do so. You won't regret it. It is an amazing experience and you will learn so much more no matter what your age is. I love this so much because um, in the fall, I touched on this a little bit on um, the fact that this was happening and um, that it was virtual and and what people's opportunity was to attend, even if obviously at that point they already weren't delegates. And um, I really wanted to talk a little bit more then about what actually ended up happening. So I'm glad that you touched on the do stuff. Um, but I've also talked to some people about a little bit more of the business side in this podcast in the past. I think that so many of us, especially when we're newer, which most volunteers, well, most volunteers with the organization in general are less than three years. That's just very standard. Um, and uh, most of the people who listen to my podcast I've, that I've heard from are people who um, are brand new or are just getting started or who are hoping to get started with troops. And so they don't necessarily even think about the fact that there's a whole business that goes with Girl Scouts. Like it's, it's a formal organization. And so therefore there's a business structure. And I think most of us don't think about that because we're caught up in maybe troop business, maybe council business, but there's national business. And that's just like a really weird conceptual thing. Anyway, okay, there's so many other things that we can talk about though today. So um, I want to talk about gold award stuff, of course, uh, but let's start with troop things. Um, so tell me a little bit about your troop uh, or your experience with troops even so far, what grades and how large and what does that look like? Tell me a little bit about your troop. So as an adult, I ended up getting back into Girl Scouts because my daughter joined. The reason most adults get into become troop leaders because their daughter joins. Um, I was, I did not have to, I was not recruited to be a troop leader. I was a parent helper and the troop leader kind of drew me in and I drank the Kool-Aid and I'm still here. And my daughter is- Yeah, everyone's story. <laughs> right. And my daughter is now 27 years old. So, and, and who, oh, my daughter- just had a baby a month ago and it was a little girl. So we have another Girl Scout on the way. Very Yay, excited. Future Girl Scout. Also, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. So that troop was designed when we started where each level did meet separately. What we found out about five years later after the troop leader that drew me in um, had to move on to other, other things, the group of leaders that we had I only had one daughter, but the other ones had multiple daughters. And so we had different girls in different troops 
And we all decided that it was going to be better for our community, which is a town of about a thousand people, for our community and um, for the leaders and for the girls, if we just had a multi-level big meeting every when we met and then each of the adults would still quote unquote lead the level, um, but we would all be meeting in the same room. The girls, the younger girls would see the older girls working. And I really, we did that for like five or six years and I loved that work. Actually, we must've done it for longer than that, but I really loved that work. I loved working with a multi-level troop. I, the, when you have the little girls and the older girls need to do something for one of their badges in order to earn something, we have the little girls there right away. And the little girls look up to the older girls. And so I love multi-level troops and especially in a small community like ours, it's so much better for the families too because they only have one troop meeting to worry about then. So it was really a great experience. A few years ago, we started losing girls in our community to other activities. And two years ago, we, in essence, um, didn't have any girls signed up anymore. So then fall of 2019, I really worked to try and create a high school troop. And we were just about to get started. We were about to start for, to meet for the second time when COVID hit. And of course that, when you don't even have a strong troop, that eliminated that troop for that year. We were able to meet in person once this fall, very small cohort, and um, we did tied blankets and donated them to our uh, police department because that is what the girls work to do. And again, at this point now, I'm only working with high school girls because those are the ones that have my heart, um, which when we talk about Gold Award, <laughs> you, you will really hear that. Um, at the same time, in a different community, the next community over, when my daughter was in eighth grade, they were looking for a troop leader for a new, for a Daisy troop there. And so I found another co-leader. And so that co-leader and I took over the troop or started the troop because it was a Daisy troop. It was brand new, but my daughter was actually the leader. She planned all the meetings. She did all the work with the girls. The other, my co-leader and I were just there for the safety ratio, just so that we had two CPR trained adults there as the requirements are. But my daughter led all of that. And she led that troop for two, two and a half years. Um, and then I continued with that troop. And again, I, my, my co-leader left. I had another mom come in as a co-leader, but we hit fifth grade, sixth grade, and the girls kind of petered out. I still have two girls from that original troop who are, honestly, I don't know if they're juniors or seniors this year. Um, so they're still technically in that troop, but we've been very inactive. Um, I'm very happy that they're still registering and consider Girl Scouts a part of their life, um, but I wasn't able to get them to do gold awards. They did do bronze and silver, but I wasn't able to get them to do gold awards. And um, so that's kind of, even though I have that troop, it's kind of quiet. This year, um, one thing that I've wanted to do, and because council's focus changed after last spring, council was on board with it, I've always wanted to do a virtual troop for seniors ambassadors for our council. 
So council-wide, we have lots of individual, our Juliet's used to be called individually registered Girl Scouts. We have lots of troops that are one or two girls. Um, and I wanted to provide them an environment just to see each other and meet each other and know that there really were other girls out there. And so we have had four meetings, five meetings of that now. And the thing that I'm most excited about with that troop, it's still pretty small. I expected to have a little bit more activity, but I think that there's a lot of Zoom burnout. So that's why we haven't had it. Um, the thing that I'm most excited about with that troop is it is truly girl-led. Uh, except for the first meeting, I haven't done any planning. I have a girl who does the agenda. I have another girl that takes care of some of the other responsibilities. Um, once in a while, I will... Um, do something that they ask me to do, like they're working on their um, outdoor, senior outdoor art badge. I can't remember what it's called. And um, I know Carly Furlow, who is a Gold Award Girl Scout from a different council who happens to design um, fashion. And one of the things that she did was she designed a, a dress out of leaves. And I'm like, well, this is a perfect person to have come talk to these girls about the outdoor art badge. So like I arranged that for them, but they completely chose the badge. They planned, the reason that I offered it was because they said we should find somebody who does this kind of stuff, like an artist who do, works in outdoor materials and bring them in. And I said, well, <laughs> I have a resource and they were all over it because of course fashion is even better than art that you may not connect to. So that those are like my troop experiences. I really like working with the girls. Um, my, my passion is getting those high schoolers more active in Girl Scouts. Yes, I completely agree. And I'm right there with you. And I think that's one of the reasons we really we have a connection because that's also my I, I particularly love middle school, um, but I really I can appreciate where you're coming from with really loving high school. I love high school too. I love all the ages and I'm, I'm sure you're the same. Um, but I like have that passion age group as well. So I really get that. Um, and I always want to talk about high awards. So I do want to get to that, but let's just keep going with troop stuff for a minute. What is one of the coolest adventures or experiences you've done with your troop and, or any of your troops <laughs> doesn't have to be a current one. So uh, with Another troop that happens to be it, well, the sister of one of my Girl Scouts is in another troop and I am friends with her mom because of course, since we're in the same service unit, we see each other all the time. And we did, they know that I'm a geo, that mom knows I'm a geocacher um, because of course I did the geocaching badge with her daughter um, when I was the leader. And so when her troop became juniors, they wanted to do the geocaching badge. So my mom and I went and to do the geocaching badge and we are very lucky that we had a path that had pretty easy to find caches on it so that we could actually take the girls out and have them find caches and it wasn't going to be something that we have to like plant fake caches or anything. We could go through the real process with them. And while we were still in our meeting, educating them about geocaching before we went out on the adventure, we talked about travel bugs. And so what a travel bug is, if you don't know, is it is something that 
is does that doesn't stay in one place and but it still has a geocaching code so that you can still log it as a find and we told the girls that when we were going to be out on this looking for these caches to keep their eyes open because we knew that there was a travel bug out there that they would have the opportunity to see and so we go, go out of the school, we all get into cars and we're driving down the road and we stop at the first one and we get out and we find the cash and then we go to back, get back in. And as we're getting back in, a couple of girls found the travel bug. And I'm like, now don't, shh, don't tell anyone. We got to let everybody have the opportunity to find it on their own, right? And apparently in the other car, the troop leader got into the other car and Luckily, apparently the girls weren't really listening to her because she's like, oh, look, there's the travel bug because my mom's car was parked in front of her car and my mom has the travel bug, right? It's a sticker that's right on the back of her car. So that, that was just a fun little memory. Another memory that I have that's not necessarily troop related um, is I had the honor of going on a destination trip one year to be a chaperone for a destination trip. And we went to Costa Rica. And as part of that trip, one of the activities that I really, really wanted to do when we went to Costa Rica, it was a service trip. We went down there to help a school. We did painting and we did cleaning and we did other things there at the school. So that was the goal of the trip. But one of the things I really, really wanted to do was I wanted to go rappelling down waterfalls in the rainforest. So I had found this place that did it. Council had approved it. We got all of the extra um, waiver forms, because of course there's extra waivers other than the regular trip waivers for something like that. We got all of the extra waiver forms before we left, but we knew there was some girls that weren't quite sure about this adventure that we wanted to take them on. We were able to get them to agree to at least go to the rainforest and check it out. And so we're at the rainforest, they, they're giving us our safety lesson, then they start putting on our straps. Oh, and it was it was um, zip lining. There was zip lining involved too. So they're starting to put on the straps and they give us our helmets. And I'm sitting there going, please let all the girls go. Please let all the girls go. Because I knew that I was one of the two leaders that would have to stay back if the girls didn't go. Because again, safety ratios, you can't leave the girls by themselves. And I'm like, please let them all go. Please let them all go. And all of a sudden I look around and there's no girls left. I'm like, yes. <laughs> so, um, but what was really cool. Not only did we zip line and rappel down waterfalls in the rainforest, but we saw a live sloth while we were out on that adventure. Um, okay. That is an incredible story. And I know that if not everyone, the large majority of people who listen to this are immediately going to be thinking, how do I do that? How do I become a destination volunteer? So every year, obviously, I'm not sure what they're doing this year, but the destinations get put up on the GSUSA website and not only girls, but adults are allowed to apply. And so you just go check out those destinations. Not all of them will allow adults to apply, but quite a few of them will and then you get to then you get the opportunity to be on the adventure with the girls um i was supposed to do a second destination um and go to greece and italy with the las vegas council um and i i had to back out of it for other for multiple reasons 
Um, but I really, really wanted to do that one. Can you imagine going to Greece and Italy? Oh, with Girl Scouts. I mean, with that Girl Scouts. is so cool. And so for a situation like that, um, you still pay whatever the fee is, but um, to cover your way and to cover insurance costs and everything like that. Um, but you don't have to take girls with you, right? Right. Yeah. None of, none of the girls that went on the Costa Rica trip were my own. They were from all over the, actually, they were from all over the world. We had two uh, Girl Scouts overseas with us on that trip. Wow. Um, and on some trips, the councils work it out so that the volunteers um, don't either have a reduced fee or don't have to pay. Um, that's not always true. But on some trips, you don't even necessarily pay the full fee. Oh, very good to know. So um, yeah, I think that's really important to cover because travel is something that I think Girl Scouts makes available to not just girls, but also to volunteers to have these experiences that we wouldn't otherwise have. And, and for me, that's a huge reason why I'm involved. Now, I've never I've never had an experience as, as exciting as rappelling down a waterfall in Costa Rica. That's like particularly cool story. Um, but even just in my own state, one of the things that's been really um, exciting to me about being in, and I've talked about it a lot on this podcast, is that I do things that I wouldn't otherwise do. I'm not, I'm not doing those things with my family. I don't have kids of my own, even in Girl Scouts. I literally just get to experience all these things with other people's kids. Like that's really cool. <laughs> so, um, and obviously now you're, you're, daughter's grown. So um, I I think it's really important to talk about like as adults, how do we take full advantage of the opportunities that are available to us as volunteers? So thank you for helping me cover I, that. I, can I mention a couple of other things that I've done yeah, as an please, adult volunteer? So um, and before I do that, just to remind, in case people, I can't remember if you've done an episode on destinations, but in case people don't know, there are um, destinations that are within the United States and there are international destinations. Um, so, and there's a wide variety. So there are STEM related ones, there are environmental related ones, there are nature related ones where like, if you wanna go hiking, the Boundary Waters one in Northern Minnesota, where you go canoeing, is like one of the most popular destinations ever. Um, Badgerland Council actually hosts a destination every year and it's called Camp Hero. And what we do at Camp Hero is we have female EMTs, female firefighters, female police people um, and other things all come in. So Camp Hero, it's emergency something. I'm sorry, I don't know what Camp Hero is. Um, but they all are the instructors for the destination trip. And so it's all of this woman power showing you the availability of other careers that you may not consider. And that's, that's been a destination for the last few years. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, Southern Arizona has a similar program. I don't, I feel like it's listed as like a program or a camp opportunity there. I don't, but I could be wrong, but I, because I'm not part of that council, so that can be totally made up. But, um, but I know they have one because there are a lot of girls in the council that I'm in in Cactus Pine that attend um, or are excited to apply to attend. So I, yeah, I think that is a really cool opportunity. Yeah. Very different, very cool, um, and such a good point about destinations within the United States, especially for those who um, might not be 
willing or ready to take on the commitment of going overseas, especially without your own family, um, not taking any of your own kids with you. But there's lots that are a lot more yeah. local. That it, you can it feeds do into well. that progression that Girl Scouts believes in. But going back to the adult opportunities, so I have been to, let's see, I went to Indianapolis. I took my troop of girls along with a couple of other troops. So we had a total of, I think, 18 girls between three troops that we took to Indianapolis for that convention. I went to Houston for a convention. I've been to Salt Lake City, and I had the opportunity to be a chaperone for our council's girls at that destiny, at, at that um convention and that was super fun because one of our girls had a connection to somebody at the and I'm sorry I can't remember what it's called but the not the Mormon Tabernacle Choir but the big convention center that they have in Mormon Square there <laughs> I don't know my words I'm sorry but it's this huge convention center right and somebody there had a, one of our girls had a connection. And so we got a behind the scenes tour and we literally got to go all the way up above the stage where all the lights and everything are. And for somebody that's afraid of heights, it was a little unnerving, but it was so cool. So cool. So I've done that. I had the opportunity to go to um, outside of Tucson to Mount Lemon which is they hold astronomy camp there for Girl Scouts. And so I, as an adult, had the opportunity to go there for a weekend where they were teaching adults about astronomy so that we could bring it back to our councils. And we like got to use those big giant telescopes that you see and like movies and stuff. Um, super, super cool. I'm sure I've done a ton of other things. One of the things that I have not done that I really wanna do is I really wanna go to, um, uh, event at Edith Macy, which is in, which is for those who don't know, is like Girl Scout home, like National Girl Scout camp in New York State, and so that's that's on my wish list. I'm I'm still working on it. That is such a cool um, opportunity, and I agree with you. That's like a, a pretty elusive one. That's pretty hard to get. So I feel really um, special that I got to do that. But I have done such little travel. My girls just got to the point where they could do some serious travel. Um, and we actually had our first out of state trip planned for my cadets that got canceled last year in 2020. And so that has been just such a hard hit for us um, for morale, I think. I mean, the girls are still excited that they wanna go, but of course it's hard enough to retain middle school girls as it is. And so the longer that this goes on, the, the less likely that all of the girls who originally planned this trip and raised money for this trip are going to actually still be involved to go. But um, but we do plan to, as soon as we're given the go ahead from council that it's safe for us to travel, we do plan to do it. But um, but I like long, I also, I've never done a world center. That's on my wish list. I have never done any of them. I would love to do all of them, but I long to do that. I, 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 I don't have that on my wish list, but it really should be there because that would be really amazing. Yeah, I, I think so too. Okay, so um, let's get into some of your high award stuff, gold award stuff, because I feel like we just have so many things we could talk about and high awards is like you one of the most important things to me about Girl Scouts and the opportunities that it provides for girls. So let's just talk about how remind us all how are you involved with the gold award process and what does that look like. So I am on our council's 
highest awards committee. I'm actually, well, up until a couple months ago, I was the chairperson. We're revamping it and I'm letting others, I'm letting, <laughs> we're giving others opportunity to lead now. Um, but I was actually the chair of that committee for quite a few years. I joined the gold award committee after my girl, my daughter earned her gold award, which would have been in 2009 or 2010. So, so I guess I've been on the gold award committee for a while. <laughs> um, but we are transitioning to highest awards committee because we recognize the importance of the progression of bronze to silver to gold. And what's interesting is, um, I have a podcast, which I'm sure we're going to talk about later, but on one of the recent episodes in my podcast, I actually had a girl that brought up the fact that if she hadn't done her bronze and her silver and learned the things that she learned, her gold would not have been as, as successful as it was. And that's, that's the progression piece. Uh, the bronze and the silver award projects really are important projects. They, the gold is our high standard. It is the highest you can earn, but at the other levels, the bronze is the highest you can earn and the silver is the highest you can earn. And that is there for a reason. The bronze helps you start with your planning and understanding of what a highest, how a highest award project is different than a take action project. And then the silver builds on that. Your team is smaller, if not individual, and there's additional components you have to meet, which help with the preparing you for the gold where the requirements are pretty stringent. So pun intended, but this is gold. And I feel like you and I, if you're open to it, um, we could do an entire episode about tips and um, suggestions and best practices for adults supporting girls in any of the high awards um, and to really dig into that progression. I think that that is an entire podcast episode, to be honest, and it's one that has been on my list. I've done one about bronze specifically in the past, but I would love to talk about the entire, and of course we've talked a lot about take action and journeys and we'll continue to because that is just a huge conversation piece, but the progression part and the, the how as adults, how we can help girls be successful. I think that's a whole episode, but that doesn't mean that we can't at least briefly touch on it here. But what I do want to um, briefly more, obviously you already have, but what I do want to make sure that we talk about is why, what is your why? Why did you get involved with the, um, at the time, the gold award committee and, and now high award committee? At the time I got involved, I don't remember what my reason was, except that I recognized what an opportunity the gold award was even back then before I really understood what the gold award was. The gold award really puts you ahead when you're in job interviews and when you are on head writing your college applications. If you choose to go directly in the military or even if you go to school and then choose to go in the military, you automatically get a rank advance. And I know multiple girls who have actually gotten two ranks advance. And I attribute that to all of the pieces of the gold and Girl Scouts in general, the other things that they do because of the gold that the military recognizes those other pieces and that's where that second part of the rank comes from. It's, it's, it's just, it's, it's so amazing. The reason I'm involved now and my passion for the gold award is like anybody that knows me knows I am the gold award Girl Scout person, <laughs> cheerleader, whatever you wanna call me. 
Um, and the reason I'm so passionate is because now that I've been working with the girls on the gold award, I see that the changes the gold award has on them. Um, so these changes make amazing changes in their communities, but the changes in the girls blow all of that out of the water. And so, yes, I do want to address the fact that you have a podcast about the gold award where you actually are interviewing girls who have earned their gold awards. And so I want you to talk a little bit about the podcast. And I especially want to hear what is one of the coolest projects that you have learned about? So my podcast is called Hearts of Gold. And I, it's a podcast. It's also a YouTube on all social media. I'm Cheryl, S-H-E-R-Y-L M Robinson. Um, so if you're looking for me on YouTube, that's, that's where you find me. And the reason I started it was because I want people to know about this, this gold award. I, it, every time that I see an article or I have to hear somebody say, yeah, it's the equivalent of the Eagle Scout. I cringe inside. I want the gold award to have the recognition it deserves. It deserves, but more recognition than it has. And I also want to encourage girls to think that they can go gold, that they can reach that, that pinnacle. It's the project is the girls project. And as long th th where some of the struggles come from is when a girl tries doing a project, that's not really her idea. Somebody has a great idea for her to do If When the girls come up with their own projects, that's when you see them shine. And there are some amazing ones. I, I, every year I am on pins and needles waiting for the national gold award girl scouts to be announced. And those are the 10 gold award girl scouts from across the country. The 10, the projects that are recognized as the 10 highest in the, the country. Um, and so, and a lot of those girls, you know, I've been following them for years and they're still activists in their different projects. One of last summer's Gold Award Girl Scouts that happens to have an episode that I was able to interview her, um, she did a, for Illinois, she partnered with, I don't remember what the organization was in Illinois, but she collected all of the statistics of rape and assault and other things that were happening on college campuses so that when girls are considering the colleges, they can go look at those statistics and be better prepared to know if that is the environment that they wanna be in. And she is working to make that a national database. I mean, that's the kind of thing. One of the projects that I am so impressed with, and this shows how a project can change a girl, and this is not a national um, gold award Girl Scout. She, she did not receive she received that recognition. She was nominated by her council, but she didn't receive it. It's Cassandra from New Hampshire. And what her project was, was the marriage law in New, and if I get some of the ages wrong, I apologize. The marriage law in New Hampshire used to be 14 and 15 or 13 and 14. Um, you, with your parents' permission, you could get married at that age. And she wanted to change that. She wanted to change that law to 18 years old. She wasn't as successful as she wanted to be. She has gotten the marriage age increased to 16 in New Hampshire. So, and that happened actually after she was awarded the gold award, she kept working on it and she's gotten it changed to 16. But 
where I see that the project changed her is that in tooth, I believe it was in 2018, she was elected as the youngest legislature for the state of New Hampshire. She was just 18 years old. She didn't even have her driver's license yet. And she was on the state legislature and has continued the important work that she has been trying to do. That is amazing. There's a girl in my troop who is working on a silver award and she's learning right now about um, what it takes to introduce um, bills in state legislature and what the state legislature even is and how it works. And um, we've talked about her, that specific project actually that you were just talking about. We've talked about that a lot. Um, so yes, I think that's an, a really powerful story and I'm so glad you picked that one. No way I could have known that you were gonna pick one I knew about, so that's cool. Um, for your podcast, other than obviously the Girls of Distinction or whatever the National Gold Award Girl Scouts, whatever they call them now, um, Obviously, we all know about that. That's announced. And I've highlighted those on my podcast in the past as well. But how in the heck are you finding these girls and getting access to them to talk to them about their project all over the country um, for this podcast? Well, let me tell you, that is probably the hardest part about doing this podcast. <laughs> because girls these days are really darn smart and they know how to keep their private information private. So even if they are on social media, it is often hard to connect with them. <laughs> so I hey, have that's to... a good thing, I guess. <laughs> right. I mean, it is, it's a really, like, I can't fault them for that. Right. Um, so it is a hard thing. I, I scrub the news stories for projects. I, um, I'm on Instagram. And so I follow a lot of projects while girls are still working on them um, and try and build a relationship with them as they're working on their project. I follow some on Facebook too, but Facebook's algorithms are a little harder to sometimes always follow the projects. Um, and so I follow them on Instagram and I really try and create connections with them. Um, I love it when girls do websites for their projects because often there's a contact us page. <laughs> and so then I have an in with them. We've been on this interview already for pretty much the full time, but there's just a couple more things that I want to ask you. What is one of your proudest moments in Girl Scouting? That's, that's an easy one. Um, and I don't know, I don't, I don't know if proud is the right word, but the biggest honor is that I have earned the thanks badge and again, for those who might be listening that don't know what the thanks badge is, but that is the highest recognition that um, GSUSA or your council can give you as a volunteer. And um, I cried the day that I was given that award. That's so sweet. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and say I've gotten zero awards and I work really hard and I do a lot. So I'm just saying if anybody wants to email my counsel and tell them like, listen, you need to give her an award. I'll take it. And I'm not even cutting this no, out. What, and okay, can I so, add to that though? Okay, and I wouldn't cut yeah, that out yeah. because as a member of our council's adult recognition, the reason I'm on that is because I feel these volunteers need recognition and it is so hard to get people to even nominate someone. And you have to, if you are a parent, if you are a girl, if you are an adult that maybe doesn't have anything to do with Girl Scouts, but you know somebody who is doing amazing things that is a Girl Scout, talk to the council. Even if you have no idea how to nominate someone, call the council and ask them because I know that at Badgerland Council, we have 
purposely made the nomination process a one page as simple as possible just to so that that doesn't become a barrier for nominations if you know somebody nominate them if you don't know how to nominate them call your local council if you don't know who your local council is put your zip code in the gsusa website and they will tell you who your local council is and they will give you the phone number call and nominate somebody Yes, I appreciate that. And you know what, I'm going to go ahead and also take my licks where I deserve them, which is that I have also never, no, that's not true. I have also only ever nominated one person. So um, I could do a lot better job nominating people as well. And um, I think what's hard, and this is part of what I think is so important about podcasts like this, is that um, with my, even with my local people, I have friends who are also troop leaders, but um I, and I know a little bit about what they're doing, but I really don't even know what other troop leaders are doing. I know what's going on in my troop. I could nominate my co-leaders and that's pretty much, <laughs> that's who I know enough about to feel like I could nominate them for something. And so I think that um, one thing we can all do is a better job of, of telling our stories and hearing what people are even doing and accomplishing with their troops. So, or even beyond their troops. So that is a, definitely a hard thing. All right. What is one of your craziest or silliest memories? I was on the planning team for the creation of our council's tough cookie mud run obstacle course, which was loads of fun. But the best part was that my daughter, who was in high school at the time, my mom and all my sisters came so that we could all run the course on the actual day of the race together. And that memory, like we still talk about it. We got our picture with the, the line of us all muddy and dirty on the front page of our local newspaper. And we still talk about it. It was so much fun. That is a good one. Um, if you could talk to the version of you when you were first starting out when that other troop leader recruited you and sunk your teeth into this whole experience. Um, if you could talk to that version of you, what do you wish you could tell Pace yourself? yourself? You don't have to do everything. Use your resources. Use If someone offers to do something, take them up on it. Sometimes, like I am now, like, as I said, Girl Scout, right? Sometimes I spend as much time on my Girl Scout work as I do on my regular job during the week. Um, and part of that is because I have this podcast and I do these other things, right? Like that's what feeds my soul. And so I'm feeding my soul when I do it. So it doesn't feel like all this tough, but you know, there are some weeks where it just happens when you're involved as many things as I am that they all end up on the same week. There's nothing you can do about that. Right. Um, so pace yourself. Don't feel like you have to do it all. Um, do the things that interest you. Make sure that you're keeping your passion up for Girl Scouts and that it's not draining you. Because if it's draining you, then there you need to pivot and figure out a different way of doing what you're doing. I'm like, wait, are you talking to me? Because same. Um, okay, I love to end on this one. What is one of your favorite or one of the best resources that you have found or a go-to that you would recommend for people to run their troop? River Valleys. So Girl Scouts of Minnesota and Wisconsin, River Valleys, the resources that they have on their website, they have resources for journeys for almost all of the journeys, which I absolutely love because when I was leading the, when I was leading the junior troop, 
what I could do is I could print them out and it's organized in a way that I could bring all the supplies that they would need no matter what the girls picked. I could print it out and I could say to the girls, okay, in this section, which one of these things do you wanna do? The girls could read it, they could decide. And then the instructions were there for what we actually had to do. And it just made my life so much easier because like I said, I had the list of what I, of the supplies that I was gonna need, but then it was allowing the girls to lead the troop. Wherever you can, you have to let the girls lead the troop. And another thing that I recently found that River Valleys has is they have um, guidance on good service unit management. So they have job descriptions, they have ideas for communication, they have ideas for activities. And that's something that we're trying to rebuild here in my council. And I loved the resources because they were so clear and helpful that it re-energized me in thinking, this is what we need to do to get our service units back up and active. Very good one and a very commonly recommended one on this show so but um, I think it's pretty incredible because there's so often that people um, that councils uh, try something and put it out into the world and I've never seen something that a council has put out that has caught fire the way the River Valley's resources have putting that out there as a almost beta test for the volunteer toolkit um, was to see like is this uh, this is what I think we think we're hearing that leaders want um let's put it out there and see how it goes and see if it if it takes off if so we'll move forward with this toolkit idea and people prefer it to the toolkit even I mean it's like it is the go-to preference and that is so wild and I'm so glad it's still available even post toolkit um because it is so good and it is so it it resonates with pretty much every volunteer that I've interviewed on here. So I think that that is just a really neat resource. So thank you. Um, thank you so much for your time. I I know this ran a little bit long and seriously, there's 10,000 more things that I could gladly talk to you about. So I think we're gonna have to definitely do another episode. And I, I'm really looking forward to talking to you again, but thank you so much for help joining me out well, today. Joining me out. Let me try that again. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. <laughs>